Well, good morning. So far, so good. How many of you like the rain? It's great, isn't it? Yeah, I do too, because I know August is coming, right? So is July. So enjoy it while you can. Hey, one word for you today. Nuggets. Wow. How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about here? You think I'm panning for gold up here, right? NBA basketball, Denver Nuggets, uh, never made it this far. And I'm just thrilled. I'm so excited. And don't email me. I get these funny emails when I talk about the Broncos or sports. And people are like, we're here to learn about God. We don't need to talk about sports. I'm <laughs> like, the Nuggets, we're seeing a miracle right here happening among us. So you better enjoy it. This is God at work right here. Oh, I'm loving that. So fun. Really, really good to see you. I mean it. We're having a great weekend around here. And I, I found out a few weeks ago, Jeff and Kay Lucas, you know, they lead these trips to uh, London and the Holy Land in Israel. And they, he said, we're going to do our last one. And I said, last one? Why is it the last one? He said, we just feel like we've kind of done it. So some of you have said we want to go. Um, this is it. This is your last chance they have a table out here in the mall if you want to go talk to them. They're actually here physically today. You can talk to them. There's also like a planning meeting June 26th at 6.30 p.m. here in the building in room 211. It's not a sign-up trip. It's just to, to learn it, see if you might want to go on this. It's happening like next March uh, of 24. So anyway, if you have an interest in that, uh, last chance to go with them to London and to Israel. I hope you'll, it'll be, it should be a great trip. We're in a, a, I almost don't call it a series because we're going through the book of Mark and we're just going verse by verse and we're not skipping anything. We're, we're tackling the good, the bad, and the ugly and all the stuff in between and, and I kind of like that as we walk through and all these stories and today we get to look at a familiar story but a really powerful story about the feeding of the 5,000 plus women and children uh, with five loaves and two fish. How many of you have ever heard about that story? Okay, it's pretty familiar. I've preached several different messages from this passage, and I prayed a few weeks ago when I was diving into this, Lord, show me, make it fresh to me. Let me have fresh eyes on this. I don't want to just pull out a sermon I've already done. And I really believe there's a lot in here today. We've called this uh, more than enough. You know, Jesus really provides more than we need. And this story of multiplication really brings this out. Did a little research, and if people finish the sentence, this is just in America, I wish I had more, what word do you think is in there the most? I wish I had more. Some of you are saying time, money. It's money. Um, it's money. And, and that's interesting because um, sometimes, and I get that, I don't think it's like a selfish thing, I think money can provide a lot of things that we want in our life, so no shame there, but I wish I had more money. Um, I, I think there's a whole list of things that I've heard people say a few weeks ago, I prayed for a couple, would love to have more kids. It's, it's, it was touching. And you know, how, how many of you have one you'll give to them? You just, get to, okay. No, ma'am, I'm not serious. Put your hand down. I'm, I'm not. Uh, more friends is on the list. People live kind of lonely sometimes, and you don't know it by looking at them, but 
There's some lonely people out there. It's also interesting in different places in the world, the, the number one request, more food, more water. And in our culture, we just think, well, turn on the knob. But boy, that is not true for many people in the world. What do you need more of? These are real things. And I wonder if we could somehow think about putting some other things on the list, like faith. Lord, I need more faith or, or more hope. We're living in a hopeless world right now. People are losing hope. I need more hope. I need more love. I need more forgiveness. People are, man, people are holding grudges like I've never seen before. They just won't let it go. I'm not only going to get even, but I'm going to hurt you. We need more understanding. With all the issues in our culture, how can I, how can I dive into that? This doesn't compute in my brain. I need to understand more peace, more, more rest. And rest is where we start today in this story, okay? Number one in your outline, if you're following along, 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 the desire for rest. Now, this all starts with Jesus seeing a need for his disciples. So keep in mind, it's not the disciples coming to Jesus to get rest. He sees that they are really worn out. They're really tired. And in Mark chapter 6, verse 30, it says, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and they told him all the things uh, that had been done and taught. Then Jesus said, now this is, this is the basic for everything we're about to talk about, so get into this. Jesus said, let's go off by what? ourselves. Who is that? The 12 plus him. 13 people. Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and what? Rest a while. Do you see what's happening? Just in this sentence, there's a lot of let's be alone. Let's find a quiet place. We need rest. We're exhausted. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Have you ever been exhausted? I mean, they were exhausted. And if you haven't eaten, and you're not hydrated, and you're exhausted, you know, some of the most important relationships in your life can end. <laughs> right there. You ever had to try to work something out when you're in this state of mind? When you're just Bonnie and I finally have learned, you know, when we're exhausted, it's not the time to, to solve the problem, you know. And there have been a few times when we've sort of looked at each other and, and just kind of smiled and said, how about we talk about this in the morning? And it's like, I know it. This way I won't die. This is a good, this is a good moment here. Yeah, let's, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I get it. Get your anger out. But if you can say, hey, let's, Let's get to the bottom of it later. So here's a question. Were the disciples doing stuff worthy of doing that made them exhausted? Yeah. What Did Jesus, was he doing good stuff? Yeah. So you can do really good things and still be exhausted and still be tired and you need rest. So that's the platform of the story is all because they needed a rest. And so here we go. Number two, compassion versus resentment. Compassion versus resentment. These are like two opposites, and we're going to see the potential in the story. Here we go. So they left by boat for a quiet place. Here we go. 
where they could be what? Alone. It's all happening. They're so excited. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving by boat. And the people from many towns ran along the shore and got there ahead of them. So that the miracle where they say this happened, I've been there. Some of you have been there if you've been on these trips we're talking about, that Sea of Galilee. Where the marina is now is probably where the boats were then. And you can get in a boat and you go across the sea and the shoreline goes around like this. But you can kind of see the boats out there. So people from these communities knew it was Jesus and they're eyeballing it and they're going, they're going to end up at this big field at the end of the lake down there. That's where they're going because that's an isolated place and they take off. It's like, a, it's like probably a mile plus over there. And they're, they're, they're going over there to meet them. So they landed. Jesus saw a huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. Is that what he's wanted? Is that what he expected? Is that what he was looking for? No, but he sees this huge crowd. And so he said, go away. I'm tired. <laughs> I don't have time for this right now. Go home. No, he didn't say that. I think that's what the disciples were hoping he would say. But instead, the Bible says this interesting thing. Mark says, he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. How did he get that? How did Jesus get that strength when he was exhausted and tired and hungry to, to go a little deeper and actually have compassion instead of resentment? You know, I mean, it's easy to get resentful. I, I remember, you know, when you haven't had a child before, when we had our first child, Ryan, um, he was kind of colicky, and he didn't like to go to sleep. And, and so Bonnie and I kind of came up with this plan of, like, you know, taking turns at night. You know, you get up. You know, and so there's a few times I would kind of, like, try to trick her. And, like, I, I think it's your turn. <laughs> Hopefully she was sleepy and didn't ring you. She never fell for that. And so, it, no, I think it's your turn. You know, so I'm, I'm up. And, and I, I still remember those moments when I'm, you're so tired and you just need to sleep and this baby's crying, you don't know what to do and you finally get them settled down and then all of a sudden it's like the sweetest thing ever to hold this child, your flesh and blood and you go, okay, I, I'm good now, you know. Um, but I think in life, you don't always, don't always get that reward. Sometimes in life, you're just, if you're living exhausted today, you know what I'm talking about and you just don't have the strength to get to that next thing. And compassion, can I just say it? Compassion is not very available in our culture today. We've grown hardened. I see a need over here and I kind of go, Psh, they probably deserve it. What'd they do? They end up in that kind of lifestyle. I don't know. Wish they'd have made better decisions. I get that. And there's some truth in that. I mean, let's be honest. You can't, you can't fix all these problems for everybody. But Jesus had compassion. I want us to have compassion. I don't know what triggers resentment in you, but I've been praying about this and thinking about this. What is it that triggers resentment in you, that sticks with you, like maybe not being heard, um, being told you're wrong, or getting, not getting your way? Maybe it's just being held accountable, and you don't want to be held accountable. It's not that person's place to tell me what to do. And you get resentful. Maybe it's even from people who rely on you. Why am I the only one with a paycheck around here? 
Why does it always come out of my account? Why does, it just goes on and on. All these things can feed these seeds of resentment and expectations that other people put on you at work, at home, at school, you're, you're, wherever, wherever it is you are. Jesus had a different perspective. Now, I get it. He is God. How many think that helps? <laughs> I think that helps a lot. But we are, our goal is to be like him. So just think about that in your life. Compassion versus resentment and how that plays out with you. Number three, now this is where the story really starts to unfold with the plan of God and what happens, and that is finding a solution. There's a problem that presents itself. The disciples see it. It appears in the text. They see it before Jesus does. And I know that's probably true of all of you. You always see the problem way before Jesus knows about it, right? At least so we think. So, so look at verse 35. This is such a great text, one of my favorite moments. Late in the afternoon, that's a signal from Mark saying, dinner time, sun's going down. His disciples came to him. So, so that's important. Hey, guys, let's gather around. Disciples, come here. Jesus is busy talking to the people. We need to help him. So let's get a plan. He'll be proud of us. We can go forward with this. So they all get together, they come to Jesus, and they say, hey, there is a remote place, and it's getting really late. Send the crowds away so they can go nearby the farms, the villages, and they can buy something to eat. We've been talking about this, and we've been thinking about it, and it's really a good idea. We know you're in the middle of all of it, so we're trying to help out here. And then Jesus looks at him in verse 37 and says, you feed them. <laughs> and they're like, with what? We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. That is their one solution to the problem, money. We don't have the money. It would take this much money. And so we need to send them away. Keep that in mind. Very important. How much bread do you have? Jesus actually asked that question. Go and find out. So now they're on task and they're walking through the crowd. Anybody got any bread? Anybody bring a lunch? We have no planners here with thousands of people. Did you think we would feed you? You know, I mean. And they came back to Jesus and they said, we have five loaves and two fish. I wish I could hear how they said it. Like, who was the disciple that had to go deliver this to Jesus? Honestly, think of it. I should take a microphone around and let you guys try it. Like, what was the tone of how they answered the question? Five loaves, two fish. Seriously? Right? Or was it like with hope? Was it like, hey, five loaves, two fish? You're God, do something. Yeah. Right? How you say it reveals your heart. And that's what's happening in the story. We don't know how they said it, but they, we know they had five loaves and, and two fish. And they were trying to think ahead. They were better planners. They were trying to avoid this conversation by sending them away. 
They're coming to God and saying, let me tell you how we can solve this problem. Ever do that? God, I have this plan. This is your part. <laughs> I'll do my part. You do your part. It's admirable. Their only option really was send them away. You know, think about that. How many times in my life, I was pretty convicted when I was building this. How many times in my life is that my solution to my challenges? Send it away. Don't want to deal with this right now. Send, send it away. Send, send this person far from my life. Send this need somewhere else. I just don't have the bandwidth. Send this cancer to another place. And I, I don't believe God gives us cancer, but that's always the prayer, right? When, with the diagnosis. And rightly so. We're prayed, we, we are told to pray for healing. But sometimes in those moments is some of the best ministry opportunity that you miss because all you can see is God, send it away. There's more there. Send this problem to someone else to fix it. How about this one? Send this neighbor to another neighborhood. How many of you are with me on that? Let's pray right now. Let's start a small group right here, right now. Just, that neighbor does not belong in this neighborhood. Send them away, Lord. Be honest just for a moment and say, how often have I prayed like Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will but yours? Like, thank you for putting me with this neighbor, maybe Maybe I'm here as an ambassador of your compassion and your strength. Maybe I can be part of a solution for this bitter person. Maybe while I'm going through therapy, I can help someone else. Maybe while I'm going through this dialysis, maybe, maybe there's someone I'm going to talk to, I'm going to meet. Maybe this group is going to be a group where I can make a difference. Do we pray that? Or do we just pray, send it away? Send it away. It's challenged me a lot, and I want you to think about that. The disciples had logic. I really want you guys who, who, who pride yourself on having plan, you're a thinker, because I fit in this category. I'm left brain dominant. I have sequential points. I like building sermons that way, and I like it to make sense. And so there's this, it's getting late. It's a remote place. We're getting hungry. There's no food. There's no money. There is no possibility. So here is the answer. This is where I think some of the smartest, brightest, logical intellectuals who are believers struggle the most because they see the answer right away before they understand the solution that God has in mind. Is it possible, don't miss this, is it possible that God doesn't need you to fix it? He just needs you to be in the story. Just be in the story. You don't have to do anything. Just go sit down and be present. Wow, that's not my nature. I want to fix it. I'm a person of action. I'm going to, and Jesus said no. There's another plan. You feed them. <laughs> we don't have anything to feed them with. When I come to that understanding, God can use my life. Because I don't have much. I don't have much. 
And I hate to say it, you probably have more than me, but you don't have much compared to God either. But you're valuable in the kingdom if you listen to his plan. Now, number four in your outline is a point that I just want to briefly touch on called structure matters. Because I see this in the story because I am left brain dominant, okay? Look at this. Before the miracle happens, it says in verse 39, then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. This, this place where this is is kind of sloped up. It's almost like a stadium. And it's just this big field. And Jesus said, they, set, they sit down in groups of 50 and 100. So this part of the story could be one of my favorite parts because he's getting people to participate. The disciples are saying, send them away, and Jesus says, sit them all down. That's not sending them away. <laughs> They're going to be here forever, <laughs> right? Uh, and so, so can you imagine the disciples I mean, just imagine this crowd right here. Just imagine us, if I pick this row right here, we're all gonna go outside on the lawn and you guys organize them in groups of 50 and 100, okay? And you're all out there standing around wondering what's gonna happen, you can't hear very well, and someone starts coming up to you saying, could you sit down please right here with these people? Hey, sir, could you move in? Well, I don't wanna sit down, someone's gonna say. Okay, whatever. Could you come over here and be in this group? No, I want to be in this group. Why do we have to sit down? Well, could you just please sit down? And then, Okay, question. Do they know what's going to happen right now in the story? Do they know Jesus is about to feed them? No. Do the disciples know? Like, did they have this, hey, if you want to eat, sit down. They don't have it either. Jesus just says, sit the people down in groups of 50 and 100. This is awkward. So I can just see the disciples trying their best. Hey, could we make an aisle right here? Finally, someone says, why? And they're like, why? Jesus, why? And then Jesus says what every parent has said. Because I said so. Sit down. I don't know how long this took. The Bible tells us this particular miracle, 5,000 men and their families. How many people is that? Just take a guess. Come on, give me a number. Yeah. 21,486 is what the Bible says. No, I'm kidding. It doesn't say that. We don't know. It's a lot, though. It's a lot of people, I'm telling you. And they're trying to go through the crowd, and it's sloped, and it's uphill, and they finally get... The disciples are coming back. I think, I think we got the back row set up. Finally, there are groups. There's one group that's over 100, but I'm, I'm done. You know, I don't know how this played out. Here's here's why I'm telling you this part of the story. Why Jesus do that? He knows he's about to do a miracle, but he needed a structure in place in order to do the miracle. They needed aisles. They needed to have a place to serve. They needed order. Sometimes we say, oh, just let go and let God. Well, that doesn't work. Look at the creation story. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. God is a God of planning. He's a God of logic. Science is real, and it was started by God, not an atheist. Amen? 
So in a church like this, we have plans, we have written vision, we have constitution and bylaws. In your business, you have legal documents, you have a, 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 a payroll plan, you, you have a manual to say, be on time. This is the consequences. Why? Because that planning matters. And why would God have someone find Jesus at Timberline Church if we don't have a plan to help them become a disciple? That's structure. And if you don't like structure, I'm sorry. We have to have it to do the work of God. How do you think we have these missionaries? Why do you think we ask you to give? It's not so we get any more money. It's so that we have a structure that can feed these needs and we can be a bigger funnel if we all dive in and say, let's make this happen. And you guys do. I love you for that, by the way. Most generous church I've ever seen in my life. Thank you. Structure matters. How many of you know the Nuggets have to go to practice? <laughs> you think they just left the last game and said, hey, we'll see you next Monday. Hope it goes well. Man, I hope it all clicked kind of accidentally. No, man, they have plans. You stand here. You block that dude. You throw the ball there. You, you shoot and you make it. Number five. Love this part. Living on full. It's a far cry from living on empty. I fear that our culture understands empty way more than full. I really do. Do I know how to take care of my soul? Am I living on full so that I have something else to offer? Look at this. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up toward heaven. He blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to who? To the disciples, interesting, so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. Yeah, I said that. Mark said that. They all ate as much as they wanted. Jesus, I don't know how many hours. What do you think? He's just breaking bread. Breaking fish. The disciples just keep coming back. They found some containers, some baskets. In that part of the world, they still have some of these big, like two bushel baskets. I think that's what they were probably using. Jesus was just filling them up. The disciples were running them up the hill. It had to just be crazy, and people were eating. Where are they getting all this food? Wow. Question. You know, one of the Gospels tells us, it was a little boy who had this lunch. You know, mom packed him a lunch. I wonder what he was thinking about this. <laughs> he sees this little bag here. <laughs> He's like, my mom put a lot of food in there. <laughs> do you want to eat your own lunch? Or do you want to eat the lunch that you gave to God and he made a new lunch that he feeds you? What were they eating that day? Were they eating the lunch that was there? No, they were eating the lunch that God made from the lunch that was there. Now this is the law of multiplication with God. And this is how we live. We offer what little we have, and God says, oh, awesome. We've got something to work with here. 
And he starts to multiply what we have. What does it mean to live on full? Jesus said, you feed them, knowing what he would do, and now they're all sitting across this huge hillside, thousands of people, and they're completely full, and we see the leftovers, number six. The leftovers. Afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. What? A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. How many baskets? 12? Does that number ring a bell at all to you? How many disciples? What a coincidence. Hmm. 12 baskets, 12 disciples, everyone's done eating, and all the disciples are standing there with a basket. You think Jesus did that on purpose? Go like this. Jesus is God, so he knows. When he's breaking that bread, he knows this is, this is enough for everyone on the hillside. Now this is for John. This is for Peter. Oh, bless his heart. I hope he gets it. This is for Andrew. Love Andrew. So soft-spoken. This is, and he's just breaking bread so that the disciples are walking around with this basket and I can just see Peter going to John and saying, you want some of this? And John's like, I've got my own basket. Why? Because it's a picture of God multiplying, of God giving you something from nothing, of God making it real. There's so many ironies in this story. And I'm just going to wrap this up with this. Just think about There's more than what I'm even going to list here. The disciples are seeking rest, and they get busy, as busy as they've been on this hillside. The beginning of the story, they want isolation. They get crowds. They wanted to send them away, but they end up sitting them down. They were all hungry, and they ended up being full. They had no food. Now they have leftovers. Jesus has a plan bigger than yours. And just from my heart, this is an emotional moment for me because I just see so many needs. I just know some of your stories. And today I just, I just ask you, would you just hand him your lunch? Just hand it to him right now. Just say, God, this isn't much. <laughs> but I know what you can do with it. This little talent that I have, this, this need, this compassion that I don't have, this resentment I have, I, I need to make a difference in my neighborhood. I need to care more at work. I need, but I can't. I don't have it. Here you go. Break the bread. The symbol here can be, are you broken enough for God to multiply you? With the breaking comes multiplication and offering. Some of you are in the middle of the breaking. It's not easy. Offer it to God. Let's pray. Lord, we need you. Help us right now. 
How many of you would just say, I'm in the middle of breaking, I need a rest, I need God, I'm giving him my lunch right now. Hold up your hand to him, not to me. Just hold it up to him. God, I trust you, I know you, you can do this. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now, in this moment, that today would be a day when they see the lunch when they offer it to you and they see you in the breaking and they see you in the hope and you in the compassion and your plan, not ours. We give it to you. It's yours now. And we say yes. For anyone in this room or watching online and you need Jesus right now, would you just say, Lord, I'm yours. I give my life to you. I can't do it. I trust you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Walk with me. Lord, thank you for this amazing story that you are a God who is more than enough for my need. Whatever your need is today, he's more than enough. Lord, we give it all to you and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. I sure love you guys. I'm sure praying for you. I want us to do this together. So uh, let's charge the mountain. Amen? Stand if you're able. Sing this song. It's a declaration song. Come on. Lift up your voice and let's declare it. In the that you rose, Think about that. God, I want our prayer team to come. 
Man, for some of you, this is a big moment. Don't rush out of here. Just take your time. Even if you just sit down where you are, let God finish what he's started in you. If you need prayer, come on up, let us do that. There's some tables out there to visit. Please do that. I want us to say, not let love live today. I want us to say, you are more than enough in first person. I want you to just look up when you say it and just just know that you're saying it to God. Here we go. You are more than enough. Amen. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Thank you for being Timberline.